Welcome everyone to Monday Motivations with that motivational guy, Tony Canavero. Hey, that's me. Every Monday I'm bringing you motivation, mindset, training, book reviews, powerful guests, and sometimes some randomness from my entirely too many hobbies. Uh, for show notes, head on over to thatmotivationalguy.com slash podcast. There might even be some free gifts around there if you look around. Please subscribe, rate, and review, and make sure you get your regular Monday dose of motivation. Now, let's do this. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to uh, this episode of That Motivational Guy podcast. I'm your host, Tony Canavero. I am super excited today. <laughs> we have with us a guest uh, who has got a track record that is impressive, especially as I look at his smiling face across the screen for me for a young guy, a young family man, a very impressive track record of doing things that a lot of us think we want to do to make our lives better, and he's figured out how to do a lot of it. So today I have with me Richard William Matthews, the guy with three first names, which is a fun way to put it. <laughs> three first names. <laughs> Richard, welcome to the podcast. Awesome. Thanks for having me here. Well, I'm glad to have you. Uh, I'm excited about the information that we can share with our listeners today. Um, what I'd love to do to start with is uh, you've got an entrepreneurial background, uh, built a lot of online businesses from what it looks like to me looking through your website, and uh, we're going to dive deeply into some of that information today. But there was something that you talked about at the when we were off screen here at the beginning uh, that's been kind of your your main focus for a long time, and correct me if I'm wrong on this, but it's to help people get a, get to a place where they can sell stuff online. Well, that's kind of a lot of entrepreneurs' dream right now, especially right now. The, when we're recording this, we're in kind of the yeah, mid, to, yeah, we're getting that mid-end point of the COVID, well, not end, but we're in that midpoint of the COVID-19 situation. And uh, I know for myself, I've started a lot of websites with things to buy on them. And that keyword of selling stuff where people give you money for something is where a lot of times things break down. So tell me a little bit about that. How did you get, first of all, how did you get into building online businesses to help other people? So it's kind of a long story. I'll give you the short version, but uh, um, it started when I was 13. Um, a, li a little before that, my dad brought home a copy of that Rich Dad Poor Dad book that's so famous. Um, and he stuck that in my hands. One of his friends had given it to him at work. And he was like, my son would probably like this. Um, and I read that book cover to cover every night for like a week solid. So I read it like seven times in a week. Um, and it changed my life. Not that there was much to change when I was, you know, 11 years old. <laughs> but I became a, I became, I became the weird kid. Not that I wasn't the weird kid to start with, but I was the kid that like, I convinced my parents I didn't need to go to daycare. They should drive Barnes and Noble instead so I could sit in the business and marketing section and read all the books I didn't have enough money to buy, right? And I did that for my entire middle school career and most of my high school career until I got a job. Um, and uh, I started my first business at 13. I convinced my dad to give me a $50 loan to go to uh, the big box store, which uh, was smart and final in our area. Um, and buy all the big, the big candy blocks that you couldn't get at school. And I stuck them in my backpack and brought them to school in like the uh, New York salesman with the uh, trench coat sharing of my wares. I was selling candy on campus and managed to make about 1500 bucks in sales over the course of six weeks before I had what I tell people is my first government shutdown. Um, <laughs> the uh, powers that be told me I couldn't sell on campus um, because I didn't have a business license and I was too young to have a business license. So basically, 
I got shut down by the government at, at 13. Um, but what struck me then was I, re, I became obsessed with this idea that if you found a problem that someone had, right? In our case, and as a 13 year old, it was like we had no good candy in the, the, the vending machines at school. It was all the cheap stuff, off brand that nobody cared about. And I was like, if I came in with a good, a good solution, right? We had the nerds and the Snickers bars and the mm-hmm. other, you know, the 100 grand bars. I had the good stuff. People would line up to buy it from me. Um, right. So it was an introduction to this idea that if you find a problem that you can solve for people and you find a people, you know, the people who have that problem, who have money and want to solve it, put those things together, you have a business. Um, and that was my first taste of that when I was 13. Um, and I tried a bunch of things over the course of years, um, got into I ran a um, photography business all through college. That's how I paid my college bills. Um, I got started in MLM business in college and uh, um, you know, built that up to, I think we did $20,000 in sales um, in my organization over the first like six months or so. Realized that that sucked, not because we didn't do a good job of it, but because all of our results depended on other people. Mm-hmm. Um, and I uh, dropped out of college in 2007, about six months before I was finished, because uh, I realized I wanted to do something different with my life. Um, and I uh, took a lot of the stuff that I had been learning about business and my career and all the things that I wanted to do um, and I had all these skills in marketing and all these ideas. And I opened up my first practice, which was working with local businesses to help them get online. Right. Mm-hmm. So that was 2007, mm-hmm. right. When the smartphone revolution was starting and the mobile internet was taking off and social media was taking off. So really good at all that stuff. So I started helping local businesses. Again, there's a problem. They wanted to be online and wanted to sell their stuff online, um, and didn't know how, and I had the solution, right. I can help them to get their mobile website up. I could help them write good copy on their website that actually got people to buy those stuff that I was good at doing. Um, and built that up over the course of a number of years. Um, and was doing really well with it for four or five years in terms of the results I was getting for my clients, but not in terms of the results I was getting for myself. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. so I actually struggled a lot on the financial side of building my own business because despite what you might think being good at something doesn't make you and even if you are building a good business right like delivering results for people if you don't know how to do all the other things that go into running a business right all the things like making sure you're pricing things properly and knowing how to put together a marketing budget and sticking to it and all those kind of things I sucked at everything outside of the delivering results for my clients Um, and I didn't have a lot of confidence to actually price things well so I was doing things like I had one client that I charged 500 bucks and made him a quarter million dollars in sales, right? Um, so I was starving myself mm-hmm. um, because I was bad at business, um, mm-hmm. but I was good at marketing. Um, so I ended up shuttering that business in uh, the uh, end of 2012, um, right at the after Christmas then. Mm-hmm. And um, I decided to take a career as a marketing director for a big regional solar company. Um, and it was kind of a fun story in and of itself, but there was about uh, 250 other applicants. I didn't have any of the qualifications. I beat them all and got a $100,000 work from home position <laughs> with them. And they gave me a $25,000 a month marketing budget. And over the course of the next 15 months was able to 10X their lead flow and deliver enough leads to drive $50 million in sales, which is really cool. Um, and what it did for me was a number of things. I got the chance to um, sit under the tutelage of the president 
president and a CEO. The CEO was on the board of directors of 12 different companies. And every week I was meeting with these guys and learning from them what it actually took to run a real business. Right. right? Um, and to, to all the things that go into a business outside of the thing that I was good at. Right. I was still just in charge of my domain of marketing. Mm-hmm. But because I was on the C-level team, I was in all the, the administrative meetings and all those things and really getting to see and learn what it takes to build a business. Right. Um, and that was really cool. And I gave them a, a three-month notice at the end of 2015 and helped them hire and train my replacement and went back to start the business that I have now um, and got into working with and helping entrepreneurs take the things that they're good at um, and turn them into the online educational programs and you know, masterminds and you know, that kind of stuff. Um, and have been doing that since 2015, I think. Yeah. Nice. Um, and it's been, it's been really cool. So that's, that's sort of the whole story. That's how we got to here. Um, and it's been, uh, it's been a journey for sure. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's really cool and we're still growing, um, and getting to the point now we've got staff and team members and, um, well, I, w- I want to dive into to that. Yeah, I want to dive into that, Richard. This is, uh, there's a lot to unpack in that. And, and I hope that my listeners have a pen and paper handy. And if you're driving, save this episode, uh, download and save this episode so you can go back and take notes. Cause I, I can tell already there's going to be actionable quality, uh, items that you're going to need to take notes about in this podcast. I'm, I'm already taking notes. Um, and we've just been in the introduction. So that's a really good sign. <clears throat> that step, I find I've been a solopreneur on and off through a lot of my career, uh, traditional bricks and mortar, sales, marketing, MLM, much similar journey to you. Uh, But that decision to go from that solo entrepreneur to being a CEO, you talked about it when we were just chatting off air, that process of going from solo to CEO. Tell me about the mindset journey, because that's what a lot of my listeners are going to be wanting to hear is, okay, I, I am overwhelmed. I have too much to do. I'm spinning all the plates, but I, where do I, how do I make that decision to go from me to a team? From me to we? Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's, that sounds like, a, uh, like, like we just made a slogan. Um, yeah. So if uh, if you're anyone if you're familiar with Tony Robbins I assume that you mm-hmm. you are he talks mm-hmm. a lot about if you want to get better answers you have to learn to ask better questions mm-hmm. um, so the mindset shift for me was when I had I was in a mastermind with a group of my peers um, I say my peers but really I was like you know if we were all in the pool I was like a seventh grader learning to swim and they were all like professional water pool <laughs> players um, but that's the kind of room you want to be in um, mm-hmm. but anyways I was in a room of people who are all you know, my, my superiors in business. Um, and we were all talking about, um, about our growth and things that we're doing. And I was doing some really, really cool stuff in our business, um, with the marketing side. Cause that's the thing that I'm really, really good at the marketing and the systems and processes and things like that. So I was teaching them doing some cool stuff. Um, and at that, um, at that, uh, mastermind, one of the, the guy who put it together pulled me aside later and he said, you've got like the, the one thing that's whole holding your business back is yourself. You're your own worst bottleneck. And I was like, I know that. And he was like, if you could break out of that, you could do a lot more in your business. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember my first thought in response to that was like, I can't, I can't do that because of a number of things, right? Like I have quality standards and speed standards, and communication standards, and like, I'm really good at this stuff. So it's not like something I can just take the stuff that I'm good at and I'm it in someone else's head. 
Um, which is funny because what I teach people how to do is how to take their expertise and put it in someone else's head, right? Like that's what I offer as a service. Um, so the irony is not lost on me. Yeah. Um, but what I realized was that like I was putting up all these defenses because I was asking myself poor questions, mm-hmm. right? Um, so when I went to hire people to work on things in my solopreneur life, the way that I did it was I would have a task at hand, right? So as an example, I would have, you know, like, I've got this thing I got to get done. And the question I would ask myself is, should I do this myself or should I hire someone else to do it for me? Right. That's probably a pretty familiar question. One that you've asked yourself, one mm-hmm. that your audience has asked themselves many of times, should I do this myself or should I hire someone to do it? Right. And that I discovered is a poor question to ask because the answer to that question always falls into, I'm going to do it myself because right. the I'm going to do it myself answer it's cheaper if I do it myself. It's faster if I do it myself. It's you know a higher quality if I'm going to do it myself, right? And these are all things that may or may not be true, but that's the answer in your head before mm-hmm. you've actually asked the right questions, mm-hmm. right? And so I consistently ended up in a place where I was doing things myself because that's the question I was asking. And um, without without thinking of like you know if I'm going to hire someone else, I'm going to have to um, you know I'm going to have to hire them and interview them and then I'm going to have to train them and then I'm going to have to make sure that they do the things right and then we're going to have to communicate and we're going to have to learn all these things and like it seems like from here to done is a lot longer journey than if I just do it myself right um, and that is the way that it goes if that's how you start your question right right and um, what I did um, and this actually was uh, from another lady in the mastermind she gave me a referral and she, she was like stop thinking about it, just hire someone. And I was like, why? I can't afford it. And I want to like, like I have, that was a problem I was having. And she was like, trust me on this, just hire someone, right? Even if you don't know what you're going to do with them, hire them first. (laughs) And, and so I was like, I was like, fine, she's, she's bigger and badder than I am in business. And she says, do this. So I just swallowed my pride and I did it. Right. And I was like, at the same point, I was like, I don't know how I'm going to afford this person. Right. I don't Mm -hmm. like, I'm going to suddenly have payroll. And I don't know that I make enough money to afford them and continue my business, right? Mm-hmm. Like, it's like I had all these questions and problems. I was like, I can't do this. It was holding me back. Um, and I remember sitting there, like, I had the person lined up. I had, I had the whole thing lined up and, like, interviewed and sitting there. And, like, I had the contract in front of me to hire the person. And I remember sitting there thinking, like, I can't believe I'm going to do this. I can't afford this person. I'm not <laughs> going to be able to, like, do what I need to do. And um, I, just, I just did it. I signed the paper, sent it back over. And he started on Monday, right? And suddenly the question shifted. Now, oh, the question is not, do I do this myself? Or the question is, I have someone, how do I fill their time, right? What can I take off of my plate and put on theirs? Right. And that question changes the game completely. Um, because now I was thinking in terms of, okay, I have these things. What are the things that I should get off of my plate first? Um, and so you start, you know, for me, I started, you know, looking through all of my things and building some small systems and small processes and getting them in front of him. Um, and now all of a sudden I would put in an hour of work to put together a system or put together a process and do some documentation. And then he would go to work on it and get 10 hours of work done. Right. And it was mind alteringly cool. Um, (laughs) and over, over the next year, um, we have documented over 180 of our businesses' processes. Um, we've built systems um, all the way across the board. My podcast went from, you know, sitting there, I had eight episodes that 
you know, dangled on the vine and died for three years. Mm-hmm. Um, we built a podcasting system in the, in the following eight months, we recorded a hundred episodes of our podcast. I didn't think except show up for the interviews, right? Not a damn thing. Um, and my business growth, like I went from hiring him and wondering how I was going to afford him to two months in our business was doubled in size, right? Nice. Because now all of a sudden there was two times as much work getting done. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. And now a year in, we've got um, four staff members, including myself. I consider myself on the same level of all, all of my employees. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and right. So our business has grown dramatically, right? Our revenue is up four times. Our team size is up four times. Our podcast is going and growing without me. My clients are getting work done without me. And I've got things like our, the, some of the services that we put together over the um, building their own systems for ourselves have turned into services for our clients, nice. right? Because they're really good. That's the push button podcast service came out of that for our own podcast. I realized like, you know, I've got this whole service that I built for myself. Other people wanted access to it. Namely, some of the first people in our mastermind were like, hey, that's really cool. We should get in on that. Right but on. that was that was the big shift was was learning to change the right on <coughs> oh. <clears throat> I got a note here asking poor questions <sighs> tying that back into into mindset because I'm a real big believer that you know we are wherever you go there you are and wherever you are in your business there you are a lot of the things that hold us back from our growth or stop us from growing in the first place uh, or making that next step are all in that six inches between our ears. So how much of, in your case, were those, as you say, asking poor questions, that's that doubting of the process when you went from uh, being by yourself to a team, how much of that do you think was attributed to a mindset or any kind of self-limiting beliefs that you had installed? What, tell me a little bit about those, because I'm sure they've reared their head for you in your journey from 13 years old till now. What are some of those things that have kind of kept you from being where you think you need to be? So um, anything that's held me back has always been some sort of a self-limiting belief, right? Um, a lot of it comes from um, from a number of number of things, right? So, uh, what, one of my primary, um, like the 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 foundation of our Hero Show podcast that we run, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, comes out of a cultural distaste I have for the way that our culture pr- portrays entrepreneurs. Right? They're always villains. Right. Um, and so we grew up in a culture where entrepreneurs are are treated and portrayed as villains. Right? It's always if you watch any of your kids' TV shows, it's always some you know, oil tycoon who's sacrificing the ducks to make money on, on whatever. Yeah. Um, and when you grow up in that kind of a culture, then you end up with a couple of like negative mindsets, like that profit is evil, right? Mm-hmm. If I ask for money that I'm, I'm a bad person. Right. right? And that's, it's interesting because we try not to think that, but like it comes up all the time, right? And I remember one of the reasons why like I had a hard time pricing my stuff and I shut my business down in the first place is because I was like, I'm only worth $8 an hour, right? right? So who am I to, to build a service that's good, um, even if it delivers a million dollars to one of my clients over the course of a couple of weeks, who am I to ask more than, you know, it took me three hours to do it. So, I mean, I should have charged him 28 bucks, right? Or whatever, right. I, I don't do math. So yeah, whatever yeah. that turns out to be. Um, <laughs> Right. And like, I, that was the mindset that I was in is that, that the only, um, what would you call it? The only 
good way to offer your services to someone is to offer it at the most minimum money possible. Because if you ask for a profit, if you try to make profit or margin, you're an evil person. Right. Right. So you have mindsets like that. And that was a hard thing to get over. Um, and, uh, so like, I remember struggling with that quite a lot. Um, and I also struggled with, you know, I grew up in a Christian household, mm-hmm. um, and nothing wrong with, with that, but from the re- you know, religious aspect of my life, uh, one of the things that church teaches is that you have to sort of wait for, you know, your calling from God. And like, right. I, one of the mistaken thinking that I had growing up is like that God was going to come down and paint this picture of like, here's your calling, go do this. Um, and you know, I, I mentioned my college career. I went to a Bible college mm-hmm, to mm-hmm. read the Bible in original Greek. Um, and one of the things that came out of that for me was realizing that, that God gives you a spark of divinity and spark of creativity and the things that make you come alive, that make you go out and want to live life and serve people. Those are your gifts. Those are the things you should be doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's how I ended up. I was like, I realized the thing that I needed to be doing was business and marketing right? Building systems and helping other people grow because that's where my calling was. That's the, my spark of divinity, my creativity. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was, so it was some misunderstandings in, in, in uh, religion, some misunderstandings in cultural, um, like how we grew up um, that I think held me back. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And it's stuff that over the years, I've had to work to break those things down and build up better mentalities in their place. I want to dig deeper into that. Um, not so much the spirituality side of things, because that's a that's a different part of it. But it, it's it doesn't matter what the source of the limiting mm-hmm. belief is. It's the it's the limiting belief is there. However, it got installed. It got installed. You can't go back and and uninstall it. <laughs> exactly, it's there. So I just want to have you listen to. I, I keep plugging this guy in my podcast because eventually I'm going to get to know this guy. Have you listened to the Ray Edwards podcast yet? I have not. You. You, with your background, you need to listen to the Ray Edwards podcast, fantastic business podcast and tons of, again, a guy who's very strong in his faith, not afraid to talk about it, but he also talks about exactly the thing that you went through. It's a wonderful podcast. I recommend it to everybody. Um, copy sales, marketing, you'd love it. So there's a plug Ray. When you do eventually get someone sending this to you, we need to talk. So there you go. Um, but I wanted to just dig into the actual, what, Looking back, what were some of the things specifically that you had to do and probably still have to do to overcome those installed self-limiting beliefs? Let's talk about books or processes that you installed for yourself. Like, what was that journey like for you? So, um, it's, it's been years in the making, so it's hard mm-hmm. to like pinpoint exact things and say, this mm-hmm. is the thing that led to that. So I'm going to give you you a couple of like overall things that I know have had an important one of them um, is going back to my MLM days mm-hmm. um, was um, they had a, a, a program where every week they sent you a new CD of mm-hmm. someone speaking right and someone who was in a better place than I was where I wanted to be um, and I used to stick those CDs in the car and I would uh, listen to them when I went back and forth to my job at the time in college um, And, um, it was like an everyday thing, 45 minutes there and 45 minutes back. I was listening to someone who had better programming. Mm -hmm. Right. And Mm -hmm. so I was constantly in the, in a mode of installing better programming for myself. Mm -hmm. Um, and so that started back in my early career, my early childhood of like, you know, I was going to this, the bookstore and having reading those books, I was installing better programming. So I think one of the biggest things is there should be 
something in your life where you are regularly working on installing better programming. Love it. Right. Um, and that could be podcasts. It could be a YouTube show that could be whatever. And one of the biggest things that for me was realizing that like I, early on, I thought that you had to find someone who had better programming in like all encompassing, right? Like that Mm -hmm. they had everything right in order for them to have better programming. And you realize that that's actually wrong too. And what you're looking for is you're looking for some people are going to have better results financially than you are. Some Mm -hmm. people are going to have better results spiritually than you are. Some people are going to have better results with family. Some people are going to have better results in their relationship. And it's okay if those are different people. Mm -hmm. We're all broken, right? Mm -hmm. We come as broken people and we are working to make ourselves better. Um, And that's, that's all right. So you have people are like, you know what? I really, really, you know, just on, on a, on a high level, right. You might really appreciate Steve jobs, business Ackerman and like mm-hmm. the marketing that his company does, but I would never want to follow his footsteps from a family standpoint. Mm-hmm. Right. He was never there for his kids. Right. I'm home every day with my kids because that's a huge value for me. Right. And that's okay. Right. He can still be a hero in the business thing and not be a hero for me and family. Um, so that's the second, the second one is understanding that you can have siloed heroes if that absolutely i 100 percent. i love that i just want to touch on that a little bit because i often like when i recommend people like ray or gary vaynerchuk in the same episode people are like huh because if you listen to the way they deliver their messages uh there's some significant differences but what i've learned is much like you what you're saying is is you don't have to agree with everything that the teacher teaches but pretty much every teacher has something for you to learn if you will be willing to open your mind to find it, right? And I love that you said that because it's it's 100% true that there are people that you can model on specific parts of their, uh, their journey, you can model it. And I really love the fact you talked about network marketing. Um, it's interesting, so far to date, I've got several, a bunch of recordings in the can right now and not, not, not a single one has been about network marketing. Uh, I'm not currently in a network marketing company. A lot of my background was there. So I, I'm a big champion of it and I talk about it. And if you're one of those people that has problems with the industry, you might struggle with my podcast. But here's the thing I want you to, if you go back and listen to all of the people I've interviewed so far to date, every single one, every single one references some at some point a journey, a step into network marketing. Maybe it was part of their, a major part of their life. Maybe it was a small part of their life. But it was always that this was the gateway that opened my mind to the idea of personal development and helped me become more different, better, right? And I think that that's a really valuable point. Those of you that are listening right now that are looking for a business to join and not sure what to do, find a good network marketing company and join it, not for what you'll earn, but for what you'll learn. And then you'll end up in a better place down the road. Anyway, that's my little target. Yeah, yeah. And, and to, to second that, I, 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 I would not recommend a network marketing business as a way to build a business, mm-hmm. right? You're not building a business there. You're building someone else's business. That's yep. all right. The thing that they have going for them is the personal development, whether it's Pampered Chef or Monavi or, you know, uh, any of the hundreds of other ones is they teach you how important story is to selling and they teach you how important personal development is to growing a business. Absolutely. And those are hard skills to learn in the real world, so to speak, right? If you think about it, network marketing is a nice padded room where you can learn to wrestle with some of these ideas. I love um, it. That's very and, true. Yeah. And, and so, cause you have to, you have to grow, you have to grow some muscles and grow some skills in those areas. The real world's tougher. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, 
and and there's uh, there's there's no one else to move the blame onto when uh, when you're outside of the network marketing space and you realize hey the, the buck really does stop with me yeah um, and and it also allows you to have a lot better growth once you get out of out of those spaces so not that you can't you, you can be really successful in network marketing Absolutely. I know a lot of people who were um, but either way it's a great training ground um, I agree. And I, I don't think I could ever uh, say it wasn't good, despite the fact that I didn't like it. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's, anyway, we could, that's a subject for another podcast because we can go down that rabbit hole a little further. I always like to point out to people, like when I had my bricks and mortar businesses, when I was struggling, the bank didn't phone me up once a week and say, hey, how are you doing? Is there something I can help you with? Right? You get that kind of support when you get around people that are trying to help you grow. And you can get that in some network marketing companies. You can also get that by doing things like mastermind groups, accountability groups. There's lots of places to get it. Um, But when you're in the traditional business world, the bankers only care if you can pay your bills and that's all they care about. They're not there to offer you support on how to manage your cash flow and how to go out and do marketing and how to do sales. So that support network is huge. Anyhow, well, let's get off of that. <coughs> I'm going to dive into a lot of your business space. Correct me if I'm wrong. A lot of your current modeling is built around the online world and how to get people into taking their expertise online. Is that kind of a, a big picture summation yeah. of a lot of your focus? What do you think some of the biggest stumbling blocks that people face when they start saying, hey, I should start doing something online? Um, the biggest one that I constantly run into is that people think online business is some magic bullet of some sort, right? That if I get online, that um, somehow I'm going to like some specifics on that. Things that the way that that, that mentality comes out is, it's a low margin business. No, it's not Mm -hmm. right. That Mm -hmm. it's a, um, that it's really easy to build an audience. No, it's not right. Like that, 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 you know, if I, if I build it, they will come. No, they won't. Right. It's (laughs) like, there's all the things that you think about online business, pretty much they're all wrong. Right. Because of the way that it gets sold, people get sold into online marketing, they get sold into, into these online businesses that, you know, hey, I built, I, I put up a funnel and I made $10 million or whatever. (laughs) That's a bunch of bullshit. Right. Um, excuse me for making you have to mark the explicit button on this podcast, but <laughs> that's what it is, right? It's a bunch of bullshit. And the reason, and I, this is something I learned when I was working at, um, at, as the C-level marketing director, the guy that was the CEO um, on the board of directors of that company and 12 others came out of the Microsoft thing. And he's got like, you know, he sits on the board of directors from 12 multimillion dollar companies, right? Amazing. Super cool guy. One of the things that he was really, really, really passionate about and I can't even like put as much emphasis on this is, is margin, right? He was like, margin is huge. And we, he operated all of his businesses. He was targeting a 28% margin, mm-hmm. right? If we can get our cost of goods, our energy cost of goods, our advertising cost of sale, if we can get all of that together, put together to come out to 72% of our cost and we can have the other 28% in margin, we have a good solid business. Mm-hmm. And that was a target that he, he went for in every business that he had. And I started looking into that um, and you find out that the vast majority of successful businesses are looking at a 28 to 34% margin. Apple, for instance, on all their quarterly marketing calls that they are not marketing calls their quarterly uh, earnings calls. Mm-hmm. They spend a lot of time talking about margin and they target 28 to 30% margin for a multi-billion dollar 
company that's, you know, multinational. Same thing. If you ever listen to any of Google's calls, they're targeting a 28 to 30% margin. So if you look at quote unquote real businesses, you're looking at a 28% margin. Right. That's what your target goal is. Um, and I get into with new clients that are like, Hey, I want to get on and I want to build a course, right. And I want to build an online, you know, mastermind program. And, you know, I want to scale it up, right. Cause you know, if I have a course online, I can put a thousand people to that course and my time doesn't get, you know, it doesn't increase with that. Those are true things. But the difference is it's like, you still have to run a real business, right? You still have costs, right? right. You have the cost for your tools. You have the cost for your marketing. You have the cost for your team and your customer service. If you want, if you want to have a successful online business, customer service is going to be huge, right? Mm -hmm. It's going to be bigger than it would be in other spaces, right? I run a supplement company and I run a lot of these things for my clients, you know, customer service for physical products brand like this customer service for educational <laughs> brand like this. So the things that get turned down in cost when you go to having an online brand get turned up in other areas, right? right. Customer service costs, customer cost, customer acquisition. So if you have a thousand dollar course program, you should be willing to spend $720 on customer acquisition, customer service, other things to make the $300 profit. And most people are like, I want to build, this program and I'm just using a thousand dollars out of the thin air, right? But you know, I want to have a thousand dollars and I'm going to make a sale and I want like 900 of those dollars to go in my pocket. And that's just not realistic business wise. Right. So the, the <clears throat> biggest mistake is thinking, not thinking like a business, thinking that it's like some sort of magic bullet and it's not. I love it. And so <clears throat> when you went through that journey yourself, because you talked a lot about pricing and, and uh, underpricing yourself, undervaluing yourself, Talking about that journey, what were some of the tools and things that you found were important for you to make that? I mean, you talked about the guy, the sea level sailed, but how did you take that and implement that back into your business when you left that, that solar company? So a couple of things. Um, one of them was a, you know, in, on, on the line of the installing better programming. Mm -hmm. um, and being in a mastermind of people who were better than I was. Was really important. I'm going to jump in there. Tell me about that. What do you mean? I know what you mean, but tell me what you mean by that. What is that? So um, I had, um, I have a, a small group of people who are all in business in various areas. They're all, um, we all share similarity. Like we, we do things online, mm -hmm. um, but in, in very different verticals and other things. And um, we all have hit a certain level in our business, um, like revenue wise. Um, and that small group of people, we meet a couple of times a year, um, virtually or, um, in person. Um, and we communicate all the time online and everything like, Hey, here's what we're doing. Here's how it's going. We bounce each other ideas off of each other. And like when we run into our own walls, um, which happens all the time, it's, 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 we give each other encouragement. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and that, that is, it's kind of like an accountability group, but it's really, it's a group of people who are, um, to use a Greek term in fellowship together. That means we're all, you know, we're rowing the boat in the same direction together, right? We're trying right. to sort of to build our business, things like that. So that's what that, that mastermind is. Um, and those can be everything from something you pay to join to like this one is actually, it's a group of people who are like, Hey, if you reach this level in this business, you can come join us. Right. right. And we sort of vote internally on to bring new, new people into the group, but it doesn't, we don't have any costs associated with it. Right. Um, so it just, you know, it's really, it's a group of friends um, at this point, but, it's, it's, and there's some intentionality there um, with, with those relationships that we're looking to grow ourselves and grow our businesses and be there for each other. And so what are some of the, like when you're, when you're thinking about your process doing that and, and working with your clients, what are some of the big roadblocks that people face when 
you know, I'm sure that you probably give advice around this kind of thing where it's like, listen, you need to make sure that you're around the right people, that you've got the right kind of associations, right? And uh, uh, you might even recommend that people join mastermind groups. What are some of the common stumbling blocks and hurdles that you see people go through themselves from the advice to the execution of, of getting into a group of people to, to help them? The biggest one is people think that being in a mastermind is a one-way street, right? Like I have paid $25,000 to be in this mastermind. You can change the number out for whatever it costs to be in your mastermind. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and it doesn't matter what it costs, even if it's free to be a, a, a member or a part of it. The biggest difference in the mastermind, whatever it is, is not going to be what you get out of it, but what you give to it. Um, right. And so the, the biggest implementation aspect is when you have another person or a group of other people that you're in the group from, the question you want to go to that group with is what is the biggest positive impact I can make on each individual member in that group? Right. And you know, with your say, skills, so giving, so giving is more important than receiving in these, in these groups. Is that what I'm hearing? Absolutely. Um, because that, that mindset is going to, um, what's interesting is that you all by yourself can completely change the course of a mastermind group like that by, by one person having that kind of attitude. Mm -hmm. And when you bring that to the group, it, it, um, if it's not already there in the group, you can completely change the way that the group functions. Um, and what's interesting is that that alone by itself will like all the people in the group are going to turn around to do the same thing for you. Mm -hmm. Right. And so that's when I say give, sometimes that's the hard stuff. Mm -hmm. Right. Where, where you're going to have to pull someone aside and be like, Hey, I noticed this, you're dealing with this shit. Let me call you out on it and tell you where you can go to be, get better at it. Like you have to sometimes suck it up and say the hard things to someone. You realize that they're right. going to do the same thing for you. Right? right. And that's where I've, I've had that happen in my business. And it was those moments when someone else turned around and said, Hey, you're the bottleneck. You're the problem. Here's right. how I would go about fixing that. That's where I've had my biggest breakthroughs in those groups is, um, is in having, having that kind of vulnerability with yourself with them and then back the other direction. Um, so anyways, no, that's hopefully that makes sense. It does. And I, I'm going to keep this. There's been lots of stuff that comes out of that that I think is interesting to me and maybe beneficial to people as well. Um, how often in your, because a lot of what you do too, looking at what you do is teaching people how to actually convert business, how to, how to take a product and convert that into sales and revenue. How important is the philosophy of giving to that process of actually generating sales? Um, I would say it's probably the most important. But, 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 but wait a minute, Richard. I'm here to make money. I'm here to sell stuff to people. What do you mean I, like, I have to give them? I don't understand. Help me, help me understand that. So, so let, me, let me give you a demonstrable example. Um, so... One of my favorite things, um, and it's a mindset that a lot of business owners don't understand, is that um, especially in the online space, in the education space, right, where we're taking someone and I'm going to help you get better results in your life via, you know, an online course, via a coaching program, via a mastermind, whatever the things that we're selling online, the thing that you're doing, right, is you are helping them go from a place of pain to a place of that pain's being gone. You're helping mm -hmm. them make a journey, which requires them to take actions, right? They're mm -hmm. not going to get anywhere just by learning from you. So you have to teach in such a way that they actually get an act, get, take actions. What people pay for, right? They're paying for the end result. Mm -hmm. 
And the way that people are willing to pay for that changes with the intimacy level, right? So people will change how much they'll pay you when you change the level of intimacy that's involved. So my favorite example of this, um, you can look this lady at Rochelle Shaw. She's got a, a book. I'm going to butcher the title of it, but it's something along the lines of the millionaire code or something like that. She is a, um, she ran the first, were well, the first African um, American lady to run a public utility mm-hmm. um, in this country. She ran the phone company in Las Vegas for a number of years. And she took that company from, I think, $400,000 in sales to $40 million in sales over the course of her tenure there, which is insane. Wow. Right. After her tenure in that business, she started getting into the coaching business where she was like, what I specialize in is helping companies go from, um, from under a million dollars to crossing that million dollar a year framework, right? That's her goal. That's what she teaches businesses how to do. And she's got a perfect track record doing that. Now, the important part for this example is how she does it, right? She's got a book that you can buy on Amazon. If you look her up, Rochelle Shaw, you can buy her book right now. It's 10 bucks on Amazon, mm-hmm. right? And in that book, she's got a number of chapters that have her content in there that teach you exactly the process to go about taking your business from six figures to seven figures, right? Then she had an online course and her online course was broken up in the same way that her book was. And it's her teaching through the content in the book. That course costs $900, mm-hmm. $997, right? We've increased the level of intimacy with her and with the content price went up 10, you know, hundred times, right. Right? right? She got another program that's her, he call, she calls it her coaching program. Her coaching program, I think is last time I checked, it was like 25 or $50,000. And what she does with that is you get um, to talk with her once a month. And what she does is she works with you through the content of the book, right? Hey, it's month one, we're gonna go through chapter one and you're gonna implement these things and I'm gonna kick your ass to make sure that they get done, right? You change the level of int- intimacy and the price went up a hundred times. Right. <laughs> right, right. And then she's got another program her last program is her done for you coaching service, right? Where she actually will come into your business Well, her team will come to your, your place of business and they will implement all of the things that need to happen to take you from six figures to seven figures, right? That costs a hundred grand plus a percentage of revenue that they help generate, right. right? And she comes into your business and they do the work and her team does the thing. You know what they do? They start Same off the month one, they book. open the book chapter one, they meant the things that are in the book, right? So when it comes to, teaching when it comes to building your stuff online what you want to do is give everything because people are not going to pay for the content they're going to pay for the intimacy and the results right so when you increase the level of intimacy with your clients you can shorten the time frame it takes to get results and when you that increases the amount that people are willing to pay for your your business so for me like the way that i handle my business um, and you probably noticed here on this podcast, and if you listen to any of mine, I will teach you anything you want to know. Like mm-hmm. literally every single, like any <clears throat> template you want to know, I will give your audience access to all the templates we use in our business. Anything that they wanted, we've got, we'll share it with them. Because the reality is people don't want to do it themselves, right? right? They want you to come along and help them do it. They want you to come help them along that journey. So we teach very openly. I run my, my own personal networking that way. Anything you want, I've got it for you, right? If I, if I can help you, I will, right? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I'll help you for free and I will, you know, help you till I bleed, right? And that comes um, significantly on the other side of business, whether or not it's from that relationship, right? Right, um, right. And so like, that's the first part of it. Um, but the other part is when you are giving that way, like if you actually set your business up where you're thinking of like, how can I do things 
like strategic things that actually lead to future value, right? So just as an example, one of the uh, clients that we closed just this last week in the middle of the coronavirus stuff, right? I had um, went right back to the basics in our business because we had a couple of clients that shut off their business sure. essentially because they just weren't prepared to handle the uh, pandemic stuff. Um, and for us, I was like, we needed to replace those and replace them quickly just from a revenue standpoint in our own business. So the first thing that we started doing is, you know, we had some referrals come in from clients that we, you know, asked, it's like, if you got anyone who needs help in this area, we got some slots open up in our business, um, we can help. So, right. So, you know, we, because we built up a good client roster and we have ability to ask for referrals, we got a few referrals in pretty quickly. And one of them, they were having a problem, right? Something that they were having a problem with their e-commerce stuff was, uh, something that had been spent like six months and many thousands and found thousands of dollars. So they couldn't fix it. They got on the phone with me and, um, I was like, I can fix that in like two hours at most. Right. Um, and I knew that in my head and, and, but I know to them, they're thinking it's a, a multi-thousand dollar, multi-month fix. Right. And I was like, just give me the login details. I was like, here's what I need. Send these over to me. Um, and I'll fix it for you. And he was like, great. So he sent them all over and I had it fixed before dinner that night. Right. right. So it was like, we talked at lunch <laughs> by dinner, the problem for them was solved. Um, and he comes back and he was like, you know, holy cow, right? I think you used some expletives. Um, <laughs> but he was, he was like, what, what do I owe you for that? And for me, I was like, that's, that's for me, I was like, that's a strategic future value, mm -hmm. right? Because it was very low cost for me to fix, but it was a really huge value for him. Mm -hmm. um, and so I was like, the first one is on the house. I was like, here's a list of the things we do. Here's how we work with our clients. Here's what our retainers look like. If you're interested in the future, come back, you know, I'm here, right? Yeah. Um, took all of about four days before he was like, where do I sign on the dotted line for the retainer? And by the way, do you have, I've got about 15 other referrals for you. Oh, right. right? Yep. Yep. <laughs> so, yeah. So that's, that's, that's strategically being, being willing to give everything, right? That's like for, for us, it was a core level service that normally we would charge 2,500 bucks or more to do. But I knew that having, having something where you're, where you're giving first, right? I proved to them that I could help them by actually helping them. Right. right? On. right um, on. And that's already paid back many times over. Um, and that's, that's just one example of many, but that's how I, how I operate my business. Was it, was it obvious to you as you kind of built your businesses out that that's what you needed to do? Or is that something that you stumbled upon or were taught? Cause I mean, a lot of us that, when we first start out, it's like, I need every penny of revenue I can get my hands on, right? If I can do it and get paid for it, I need to do it. So was that, was that a natural fit for you or what, what led you to that realization? So that was a natural fit for me. Um, and I mentioned earlier, I came out of a religious background. One of my mentors growing up, one of the things that he said to me all the time, um, and I still repeat to myself and say to my children all the time now, is leave it better than you found it. Right. right. Whatever it is. Right. If you go into a room and there's something on the ground, you pick it up and throw it away. If you're at a, at, you know, and part of that was like, you know, be the first one to show up and the last one to leave. Right. So mm -hmm. when I go to networking events, that's this way that I, I treat them. Um, and I like I've gone to places where where like I'll stick around for um, one of my first clients in my space. Like I went to his event um, mm -hmm. and uh, he was teaching. And one of the things like he had a bunch of questions that popped up about at the time it was Google advertising. Mm -hmm. And he was like, I don't have the answers for you for that because I hired them out. And after the first day of the teaching, I was like, I went up to him afterwards and I was like, I actually have a whole training I do on that. I've got a stage talk. If you want me to, I can come in, you know, during, you know, after, after one of the talks and I can teach your whole audience. And he was like, well, that'd be really cool. 
Um, and, and because he was like, I didn't have an answer to that. I didn't realize it would be a thing that everyone asked. Right. Um, so it was a big value prop that I could give. And right. It's part of that mentality. It was like, I just want to leave this meeting. I want to, you know, I, I came to consume from him and to learn from him. Mm-hmm. But when the opportunity came up to say, Hey, can I offer something um, to your audience that would be a benefit to you? How can I do that? Uh, and that turned into being a multi-year relationship and we did hundreds of thousands of dollars of sales together. Um, and it all comes back to how do you constantly keep your eyes open for ways that you can give value that aren't going to, you know, bankrupt you or hurt you for any of any of those things. And they're going to turn around into positive business. Um, so it was something that I grew up with. Um, mm-hmm. But it's also something that you have to you have to know where the line is. Right. You have to know because you can't do everything for free. Right. Right. Because you have to eat. You have to feed your children. Yep. Right. Yep. Which requires a couple of things. You have to know the types of people that you can offer those things through who aren't just going to use you and abuse you for your time. Right. right. And that comes with the experience, right. It comes mm-hmm. with, with knowing like, you know, 10 years ago when I was doing some of these things, I got eaten alive, mm-hmm. right. By, by people. Um, and some of that is just required bruising, right. To learn that, <laughs> Hey, you don't touch the pot that's hot. Right. Yeah. And you get to a point where you recognize, like when I got on the phone with the gentleman the other day, I knew right away that he was my type of person. Right. right? But that comes from years of being in business where I can tell two minutes into a conversation whether or not this is the kind of person I want to have in my life and in my relationship stuff. Right on. Um, and I knew that if I spent two hours giving to him, that, that it would come back multifold, right? But that's a discernment that comes with experience. Right. So, so the, the encouragement is to understand that you will build that over time, mm-hmm. but don't let the bruises stop you from trying. Key, key learning right there. Right. I mean, it's much like riding a bike. You, if you, if you stop trying after you fall off the first time, you'll never learn how to ride it. You have to get back up and, and keep on trying at it. So as we kind of move towards uh, thinking about getting towards the end of this podcast, talk to me about, so, so we've talked a lot of generalities. We haven't really gotten a lot of specifics about, about kind of what you've done for people, Richard, but I want you to paint a picture for me. Somebody who has zero audience, has an idea that they want to do something, has some expertise. How, give me some specific examples without naming names of, of maybe people like that, that you've helped and what kind of some of their results have been for the people that have actually bought in and followed the protocol. Cause that's really an important part of the process. So give me some success yeah, so- stories of somebody starting from nothing <laughs> and going to some success with you. Um, so my favorite story is a, a good friend of mine now. Um, he's in the wholesaling space. Um, and so you'll probably be able to find him if you look him up. Um, but he started with me um, a couple of years ago and had nothing, had no audience, had no training courses, had nothing going. Um, but what he did have was he had a really solid demonstrable expertise in his space. He was doing hundreds of thousands of dollars a month um, in wholesaling, right? Which mm-hmm. was his business. And he was like, I want to add a coaching component to this. Mm-hmm. Um, and we started communicating and, um, I helped him develop his training course and I helped him develop his first webinar, his online sales webinar, helped him develop some of the back end stuff mm-hmm. and helped him negotiate his first major media buy. Um, and which was like, it was like a hundred thousand dollar media buy, which is huge. Not, not like not everyone starts there, but yeah. that's why it's one of my favorite stories. Cause he had big numbers and was doing cool things. Um, and, um, so we negotiated that hundred thousand dollar media buy that he did. Um, and over the course of the next year, right? I remember I have a picture of it. The couple of weeks in, he sent me a picture of a $25,000 check, his first coaching check for someone wanting to do that. And that first year we hit $786,000 in sales in his coaching program. 
nice. um, which was really, really cool. Um, and today he's the uh, number one wholesaling coach in the country. Um, wow. And so that's really cool. Um, and that was, that was fun. And, but I, I don't want to like make some sort of a false impression that that's all me. It's not all me. A lot mm-hmm. of that is the work and effort that he put into it. I just gave him a strategy to follow. Right. right? And then he implemented to, you know, to, to no end. Right. Um, and part of that was getting and actually creating, he created a, um, content that was going on all the time and he created some other things. If you want some like specifics, I can actually get into like, like give people a plan. Um, on like, here's what you should be doing. Sure. We're a little short. Yes, absolutely. Let's, let's, let's hit, let's hit three or four, uh, key tips, especially, especially for that person who's sitting here going, who heard that story is like, that's fantastic. I don't have that. I don't have that network right now. I'm just starting out. What would you give for concrete tips to somebody who's brand new, got a laptop, maybe a smartphone, you know, a couple thousand people on Facebook, a couple thousand people on LinkedIn kind of thing. How do you want to help them build out that, that follow? Give them a couple of tips. So a um, couple of things. One of them, um, you, you, have to have, you have to have the goods, right? Mm-hmm. So you have to actually be able to deliver the goods to someone. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, the first thing is like, if, you, if, if you've got that, um, then everything else is going to be pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, so first thing is develop a flagship course. Um, and you know, you actually want to deliver that in a way, um, that people are going to, um, not just learn the information, but learn all the psychology behind it and actually have the uh, incentives to take action. That's one of the things that we teach is how to, how to teach persuasively. So Mm -hmm. learn persuasive teaching is the first thing that I would, I would encourage you to do. I have, um, a free little 20 minute video somewhere that I probably give you for the show notes. That's like, here's it's, I I call it the what, why, how now, and it's how you persuasively. Um, so yeah, so put together, put together your flagship course that has persuasive teaching elements in it because just giving someone the how-to is not going to give them the why-to, right? Yeah. Um, and the encouragement to actually take actions and do things. And if you, your students take action and get results, your business will grow. If your students don't take action and don't t- get results, your business won't grow. That's the foundation. So that's the first thing is do that, teach in such a way that people get results. The second one is to regularly get your expertise out there. Mm-hmm, right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what I mean by that is like the easiest way to do it, build a weekly show, right? Like this type of podcast here mm-hmm. where you're getting on and sharing your expertise with other people, right? That could be an interview style like this one. It can be you face to camera where you're doing, you can do um, training videos and get that out and distributed every week, like clockwork, um, where you're getting it on YouTube, getting it on Facebook, getting it on iTunes, getting on the podcast. Um, and that's what our whole push button podcast service is about. But either way, like just do that over the course of time, you will become unignorable, right? Because you will, you will be noticeable in your space. And right. So you have, you have a couple of options when it comes to, um, growing your business. Right. And one of them is to buy audience. The other one is to build audience. Right. Right. So buying audience means you have to have a funnel in place. You have to be able to liquidate the uh, cost of traffic and do all those things. We can teach you how to do that, but building an audience just costs time. Right. 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 So you can take your time if you're at the beginning and build an audience and then turn that around. And if you take an audience that you've built and then put them in front of a self-liquidating offer, now all of a sudden you have a huge jumpstart to your business. Right. Um, so that's a good, good place to start um, is getting content out and creating it on a regular basis. Um, 
my fun is my, my most favorite mix of that is what you and I are doing here. And that is by getting on other people's podcasts, start doing the rounds. Yeah. Um, and it really helps if you have something to give that audience. Um, right. So if you have your flagship course done, you have your book written, whatever it is, you can actually offer it to those audience. But now I get the opportunity to come on your podcast. Your whole audience now knows who I am, right? Yeah. And you're going to tell them all about me and you're going to promote them to your audience. And so we actually, this is a process in my business. It's something that I do to grow my audience. As I get on podcasts like this, I do two to three a week now. Mm -hmm. uh, my mm -hmm. staff handles all of it. They do all the research. They reach out to the show owners and they get me booked for these things so I can show up and just be me and deliver the goods. Hopefully, I love it. Hopefully I've done that so far. <laughs> it's um, been amazing. And, <laughs> yeah. So anyways, we take those and your audience now, some of them will become my audience, which is right. cool. Yep. Um, and then we take this content and with your permission, we break it up and take all the little bits out of me talking and add that to our, our content stuff mm -hmm. of me sharing good things, right? That's more content expertise that comes out from my side that helps grow my audience as well. Um, so it's a cool, mostly free way to build your expertise in your audience. Um, and the backside of all of that exposure is you have some sort of flagship service or program or course or book or offering that you can drive people to that delivers revenue, right? That allows you to actually, you know, give value to people and, uh, um, you know, drive them somewhere. Fantastic. There is gold in those tips. And by the way, I love it. I think I can hear your guys in the background. Um, Rich and I were chatting a little bit offline. I'm a, I'm a dad. I've got three kids that are grown. I live in a small place and have worked from home for years. And I love the fact that it's real and we've got family stuff going on. That's <laughs> yeah. You me, probably, you probably heard my, uh, my one year old, I've got four kids and my youngest one um, came in here. Oh, you know, cause she wants, she thinks daddy's the coolest person in the world right now. Absolutely. So she wants to come in and, uh, and, and yell hi to all of my interview guests. I love it. That's fantastic. She should be a feature. She or he should be a feature of all of your podcasts. It's beautiful. I love it. It's fantastic. Um, I want to ask some interest to some different questions here a little bit to kind of get off, get off stream a little bit on, on the business side. There's been so much good information. I hope my listeners go back and listen to this again, save the episode and really dive into the material that they've got. Uh, we'll have some of those freebies that uh, Richard was talking about in the show notes. I am going to take advantage of those freebies myself because I know I've got tons to learn from this gentleman. Um, tell, what are your three favorite songs? If I had to ask you what your three favorite songs are, what would they be? So The Dance by oh, Garth Brooks yeah. um, is one of my favorites. Um, and so that's, that's probably right up there. Um, the uh, another one is Learn to Fly by Maddie and Tay. Um, and that's one of my favorite songs because of what they talk about is, is they say you can learn to fly on the way down. Mm -hmm, right. Mm -hmm. And one of my favorite things in life um, is, is I tell people that I'm a parachute builder and you jump <laughs> off the cliff and you learn to build a parachute on the way down. Um, and, and like, that's the way business goes, right? Cause you stand on the edge of the cliff and try to build a parachute. You're never going to build it because the motivation is not going to be there. But if you jump off the cliff, you'll figure out how to build a parachute. Absolutely. Um, so otherwise you'll crash into the ground. Um, but so, so I've always loved that song. And let's see third song. I have to think about it a little bit. There's so many, um, probably the, um, it's, and this is, pro this is cheesy romantic stuff, but, um, the, I'm going to forget the name of it. Um, but it's, a, it's a, a song my wife sings all the time, but it's basically, it says that uh, I will swim 
swim a thousand miles. If I had to swim a thousand miles and, you know, climb a thousand walls, I would still go um, and find you. Right. Oh, and awesome. I always loved that song um, because, you know, my uh, my wife's my hero. So I love it. Fantastic. That's so powerful. Um, uh, that it always gives people insight into into kind of our our mindsets when we talk about those kinds of things. What's your favorite word? My favorite word, mm-hmm. um, probably my favorite word is fellowship um, because of what it means. And I think a lot of people don't really know what it means. Um, so I'll give, I'll give you guys the, uh, the, the, the brief definition. Um, but it's a Greek word. Mm-hmm. Um, and the old slave ships that they had in Greece, where you've seen the pictures where there's the two rows of people that all have, there's like four people per oar. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there would be the slave driver at the back who would whip the thing and they would all or at the same time. Right. And everyone would row, you know, crack the yep. whip, everyone rows at the same time. That picture where everyone rows at the same time when the ship goes forward is called fellowship. Right. Oh, so fellowship, the meaning of fellowship is essentially is that we together are working together towards a common goal. Right? Oh, that's awesome. And so fellowship to me is my favorite word because there's so much power when you have people who are willing to work together towards a common goal. Fantastic. Um, so that's my favorite word. I love it. That's, that's good stuff. Uh, I can tell you've obviously studied your Greek. It sounds like it. So um, what are you not very good at? Lots of things. Um, <laughs> uh, so things that I'm not very good at, I am not very good at, the last couple of steps of a thing. Um, so what, what I mean by that, that is I am a perfectionist to no like to no end. Um, and so I don't like to ship things and that's a problem I have, um, because like the page is never written enough and mm-hmm. the design is never good enough. And whatever it is that I'm doing, the process that I put together is never enough. Like the interview that I did is never good enough. Mm-hmm. And what the problem I have with that is it's like, I'll get, I'll get it to a point where it should have shipped whatever it is and mm-hmm. then not ship it because I want to fiddle with it more and play with it more. Um, and it, it, it's like, it's my failing. It's the thing that I, I am the worst at um, mm-hmm. is just being like, it's good enough. Get it out, get it out the door to go. Um, and for me, that was changed for two things. One of them was a mindset shift that one of my mastermind women gave to me. And she told me that perfection is the lowest standard you can hold yourself to because it's non-existent. Right. Oh, so wow. I hope it will back the podcast up and write that down. That is so profound. Wow. So just to repeat it, Perfection is the lowest standard you can hold yourself to because it doesn't exist, right? So if you're looking to get something to be perfect, you're not holding yourself to any standard that makes sense into any meaningful standard. So the better question is what is the minimum viable product, right? What is the the thing that, where does it need to be to ship it, right? And get it there. That's a much better standard. Um, And making that mindset shift changed a lot for my business. Um, and then the second part was making that shift from me to we, right? Being a CEO and passing the shipping part off to team members whose job was to ship, <laughs> gets it <laughs> off of my plate. So I'm just not 
I'm not in charge of that part anymore, right? It just needs to get published. It needs to get done. It needs to get put out. So that's on someone else's plate who's paid to do that, right? I love so it. It's no longer me being the bottleneck. Fantastic. That's good stuff. That was, if, if the listeners only get that idea, if they, for some reason, spaced out through the entire interview and only picked up that idea, that idea can change your life. That was really, really deep. Tell me something that's true that almost nobody agrees with you on. Something that's true um, that almost nobody agrees with me on. So would it be terrible to go into the religious space for that? No, this is, this is, <laughs> this is you, man. So, so uh, people ask me all the time, right? I went to college to be a preacher, right? And mm -hmm. I learned to be a preacher. I got a degree in preaching mm -hmm. from a Bible college um, and I don't preach. Mm -hmm. And the reason I don't preach is because if I did get, if I did preach, I wouldn't get asked back. And I know that because I have preached and never been asked back. <laughs> <laughs> um, and part of the reason for that is because I don't think our view of who God is, is accurate in our modern day church mm -hmm. um, for a number of reasons. Mm -hmm. But we look at God like he is this ruler on high that we have to be um, bowed down to and afraid of and guilty in front of, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right? Um, and that is the God you see pictured in Revelation and it's the God that you see in the Old Testament. But the God that we serve is the God who died on the cross for your sins, mm -hmm. right? And who looks at you like a father looks at his child, right? And this is one of the things that, um, you know, you hear Christ on the cross say, Lamana, Lamana, Amadas, Vashtanai, which is Father, Father, why have you forsaken me, right? Um, and he uses the term Abba, Father. And if you look at what Abba, Father means, the, the relationship that you have with your children, right, is that type of relationship. Now, unfortunately, not all people are good parents or have mm -hmm. that kind of relationship. Mm -hmm. We have bad parents, but for those of us who, like, my dad was excellent, right? And it sounds like you're a pretty good, excellent dad. But if you have ever, like, if you've ever had your child come in and done something wrong, right, and you have to discipline them for, for it, for whatever reason, have you ever, ever once in the discipline hated your child, tried to make your child feel guilty, right? Your goal always with your child is, is looking at how do I make them better, improve them, make them, you know, improve who they are. Right. And we don't look at that relationship. Right. Like my, my daughters will come in and like, I spent 45 minutes the other day with my three-year-old playing a pretend phone game, right. Where we were just calling everyone in the family for 45 minutes. And we think that, you know, we need to bow our heads and close our eyes. And, you know, we use big fancy terms like offer supplication and worship and things like that in order to have a relationship with this guy that we call God, right. instead of understanding that he is, the Abba Father. He's the guy who would sit with you and play the pretend phone game for an hour just because it makes you smile, mm -hmm. right? And that is probably the one thing that I wish would change in how we view our Creator. I love it. And a lot of people don't agree with me on that, right? They want to. They want to see the guilt and the shame, and um, they, they get preached and taught guilt and shame, and mm -hmm. that is just not. That's not our. That's not our Creator. I love it. There, that that was fantastic. Thank you for sharing that. Um, we can talk more about that offline, kind of some of my background. And and again, I think you really like Ray Edwards' podcast. I really think you like that podcast. Uh, so listen, 
what uh let, let's okay we got to get through this where can people find you i could keep going with you richard for hours where can people find you so my website is just richardmatthews.me. Um, okay. So it's Matthews with two T's. So uh, um, anyways, I'm on there. Got all my stuff on there. Our, our newest service that we're offering is uh, separate from that. It's uh, pushbuttonpodcast.com. And that's for business development podcasters um, who are using their podcasts to drive leads, audience, and sales for a main business. Mm -hmm. um, and we, uh, we take over everything for their podcast, right? So you literally just have to show up and do your delivery of the goods and we'll handle everything else. Um, so that's, uh, you can find us there at pushbuttonpodcasts.com. And one of the things we're offering is all of our, um, all the uh, podcasts that we go on, if, uh, we'll give you guys a discount code that you can put on your, uh, 10% off for the lifetime of the service that's flown through, um, and do that. So we'll make sure we'll set you up for that. Um, and, uh, anyways, that's, uh, that's a good, uh, a good service for, for people who are in the podcasting space. I'm not sure how many of your audience is, but if they are, that's a, a good place to, to, uh, to get a hold of us. We'll find out. Um, that's this. This interview was was fantastic. I have no more room left on my sheet because I filled up all of my question space with actionable notes uh, that you gave me today, Richard. So thank you very much for being here. I really, really appreciate it. What one thing would you wish that my audience would do today? That's a good question. So one thing that your audience would do today. Yes. Pick up your phone, point it at yourself and record yourself giving some of your best tips for whatever it is that you do. Right. Not the, the stuff that you think people should pay you for. Mm -hmm. Right. Give that as freely and as emotionally as you can to your audience and then take it to all your social platforms everywhere and hit the publish button and share it as far and wide as you can. And second to that, do it as often as you can. Awesome. So much power. Thank you so much for being on here today, Richard. Appreciate you. Uh, we're going to have all that information in the show notes, all the links we'll communicate and get it hooked up. Uh, thanks for being here. And I want you to go and enjoy the rest of your day. Uh, I know you're busy. You've got a big business you run. Plus you're with your kids close by, which I have super respect for and lots of love for. So thanks for being on today. And for all of my listeners, make today a fantastic day. And remember, you've got this. Hey, thanks so much for tuning in to That Motivational Guy podcast. I hope you got some value from this. Uh, as my thanks to you, please accept a free gift from us. Go to thatmotivationalguy.com slash change and download a free webinar course that my wife Vanessa and I did on how to change anything in your life. Anything. No strings attached. Don't even have to enter an email address to get the course. It's just our gift and our thanks from us to you. If after going through the course, you do get something from it, you'll have a chance to subscribe to more good stuff at that point in time, but only after we've proven that there's some value for it. Again, thanks so much for listening. Please subscribe, rate, and review pretty please, and then go out and make it a fantastic day.